dear refugee athletes. The intention of this uh, refugee Olympic uh, team is to uh, give them a home in the Olympic village together with all the athletes uh, from around the world. Masoma was on the groundbreaking Afghan women's cycling team, a group who risked their lives to ride, forbidden under the Taliban and still taboo among conservative Afghans. Welcome to Flame Bears, keeping the fire burning. I'm your host, Jamie. In today's episode, we speak with Masuma Alizada, the first female Olympic cyclist from Afghanistan, whose fight to the podium has not been against her own skills or her competitors, but rather with the Taliban. We talk about her rise to Tokyo as part of the Olympic refugee team, her bold escape from Afghanistan, and how she cycles for not only freedom, but for the solidarity of women everywhere. My name is Masuma Alizada. I'm 26 years old and uh, I participated in Olympic Games 2020 and I would like to participate for the 2024. And I'm a student uh, uh, civil engineering in the University in France. What was your first memory cycling? The first time I wanted to try cycling if uh, I could uh, again ride or not because it was uh, several years that I didn't use bike. So I started to take uh, the bike of my classmate. It was uh, and I take it and I wanted to, to do just a, a little tour. But when I uh, used the bike, it was not uh, in the street. It was just in the basketball player. Uh, the court. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I ride bike and after I see the, the boys who was a class in the same course that I, I had a course and they all come uh, and they wanted to follow me and I was afraid and I see that how much is strange for the people to see for the first time that I girl ride bike and I am afraid and I leave the bike and I enter in the classroom. After that day I saw it's really a strength for the people to see for the first time in their lives uh, that a girl use a bike. One memory in particular stood out, though. In 2011, cycling, Federation Cycling in Afghanistan uh, organized a race for the girls. And I participated. And then through this race, I know that there is a federation that works for the women also. And after that, I leave the other sports and I seriously start cycling with the federation. I integrate the team and I started to training regularly with them. I was uh, a starter. So we went to a city outside of Kabul. Its name it's uh, Jalalabad or Surubi. It's uh, like a mountain. And as I was not as professional cyclist, so it was downhill. And I was the third person. I was uh, totally concentrated, focused in my bike and in the street to take the corner, to take the downhill. And suddenly someone, it was in the car, he take uh, his, uh, with his hand, he hit me. It was really hurtful for me, hard, because when I see, when he passed beside of me, the man who hit me, and I see that he laughed, and he saw in my eyes, and he laughed, 
And I, I never forgot this memory. And I know that every girls who do bike in Afghanistan, they had the same experience that men try to hit them. You heard that right. She was hit by a man who then laughed at her for simply riding her bike. And after that, I never say to my family because I was sure if I say to my family, they stop me because of they afraid for my security. And I after that, I saw that how much is uh, dangerous for the woman to ride bike, but it didn't uh, stop me. It's um, encouraged me again. I can't imagine what that was like for you. You had to dress like a man for your safety. I had never uh, courage to take a bike with my personal clothes and to ride bike outside without any people who uh, protect me. Because every time we train, it was our coach with his car behind of us and uh, our um, colleagues or our riders, men riders. They protect us, uh, for example, uh, this side and this side, and we were in center. So I never had the courage to do ride to bike alone. Every time yeah, there was someone who protected us, it was so much dangerous. Every time I ride the bike, I uh, had a sport clothes, uh, bike clothes. People think I'm a man, not a woman. Masuma left Afghanistan with her family in 2016. She's now living in France, where her family has been granted asylum. Here she is explaining what life was like growing up in Afghanistan before she left. For the first time when Taliban came to Afghanistan, as my father and my uncle fight against the Taliban, so when they take our city, we had we obliged to leave the city and to um, go and come through our city for the security. So as Iran, it was uh, beside, uh, it's a um, neighbor country in the same language, we went to Iran. In Iran, I started cycling, I learned cycling. It was my father that learned me the cycling. But unfortunately, uh, we asked for the several times the paper to live uh, legally. But uh, Iranian government didn't accept, and so we didn't have right to go to school, to work, to rent house. We were obliged to return uh, to Afghanistan for the continue to go to school. So because of that, uh, we returned when I was 8 or 11 years. Girls over 14 continue to be banned from public school. Younger girls can still attend, but few have a realistic career ahead. Women have been forced from the workplace. And some are arbitrarily detained and tortured in prison if they break the rules for something even as simple as leaving their homes without a male guardian. Taliban all destroyed and now women in Afghanistan has no right. Even they can't go to a school. A little girls, the dream of a little girls in, in Afghanistan is to going to a school. When we think about that, it's really heartbroken because uh, it's uh, the right of every human to go to a school or to work or to do a sport. But unfortunately, the Taliban banned everything for the women in Afghanistan. During the Taliban rule in the 1990s, girls were discouraged from going to school and women were not allowed to work, let alone cycle. 
The Afghan government and its allies have since continued to fight the Taliban. But still, even in recent months, there's been a rise in targeted attacks on civilians by Taliban fighters, specifically targeting women. Masuma, can you describe what it's like on the ground right now for Afghan women? The people are afraid so much from the Taliban because uh, they can do anything. They can kill you. They can uh, put you in prison. And no one say what, why uh, you kill him or her. Because of that, the women are afraid more and more. The Taliban have ordered an immediate and indefinite ban on university education for women. Women in Afghanistan have been barred from gyms. And we see that every day we uh, lost our rights. But no one express because they are afraid. But uh, I think it's uh, our responsibility, the women or the men who are outside of Afghanistan and they uh, live in a safe country, they have to be wise for the women, for the people of Afghanistan. And we have to try to people or to world take action. It's not just uh, say the wars, we are uh, sad for the people because the people are blocked in, uh, in Afghanistan. They have problems, the women have no right. It's economic crisis. Taliban is like take the people. They don't give them the opportunity to go outside because uh, the passport it's banned. In reality, uh, the people of Afghanistan is like a survive. They just survive. They just try to find something to eat and to survive. They don't like. To help me better understand the current situation of women and girls in Afghanistan, I sat down with Dr. Seema Samar, former Minister of Women's Affairs of Afghanistan and the former chair Afghan Independent Human Rights Commission. Dr. Samar, can you catch us up to speed on the current situation? Practically, women in Afghanistan are erased or eliminated from social life. They don't have the right to movement. They don't have the right to education. They don't have the right to work. They don't have the right to wear what they want to wear. Although we, as a Muslim country, we were already had covered clothes and and scarf in our head. But they want uh, all the women to wear that blue burqa. Afghanistan's Ministry of Vice and Virtue ordered all Afghan women to wear a face-covering burqa in public. It's a return to the directive set when the Taliban was last in power in the 1990s. So you name it, they announced that women cannot have contraception in the big cities because it's the conspiracy of the Western countries. They want to reduce the population of Muslim. Afghanistan has one of the highest fertility rates in Asia, around five children per woman. And in this deeply conservative Muslim country, talking about contraception, let alone having access to it, is difficult. Two, three days ago, one of them had a a speech that women cannot wear the embroidery clothes. Embroidery, women has in Afghanistan really do a nice embroidery. But the burqas, you see, they are embroidery in the in the head mm-hmm. and they around the the holes and of eye. They said they cannot wear those embroidered one because that's also make them attractive. So practically, Afghanistan is an open prison for women. It doesn't have a a key. It doesn't have a a door and and a boundary wall. 
but it is an open prison for women and it is gender apartheid going on in Afghanistan. Apartheid was only known to most of us when it was in South Africa based on the race that was defined that way. But gender apartheid is something that the Taliban impose on women, yet it has not been counted as an international crimes. It's a crime against human dignity because they try to have women without dignity, without identity. So you're walking thing, we don't know what, under the burqa, without face, without identity. So this is the current situation in the country. They are not allowed to do sports. They are not, the women are not allowed to do <sighs> nothing. Music is not allowed. They are not allowed to work in the media. If they appear in the television, they have to wear a mask. You name it. Masuma, what does it mean for you to be the first female Afghan cyclist to compete in the Olympics? So for the people of Afghanistan, sport, it's like, in the least, it's uh, the last one. Because um, uh, their priority is safety. And it was a period of war in, my, uh, in Afghanistan. So they think about more about the safety, the security, but uh, the sport, it was the last one. But uh, the people, the Afghan people who are outside of Afghanistan, when they see that as a woman, I participated for the first time uh, um, in cycling. So they encourage me every day. I receive the message of uh, encouragement. They say that I am a symbol of uh, freedom. They are an example of encouragement and inspiration for them. Um, most of uh, the people, Afghan people who come in Europe, they say that some of them, they don't work or they don't do positive things. Then say me, I'm a source of inspiration for them to encourage them to do the same when we all are refugees. Dear refugee athletes, you are sending a message of hope to all the many millions of refugees around the globe. You had to flee from your homes because of violence, hunger, or just because you were different. Now, with your great talent and human spirit, you are making a great contribution to society. Here's Dr. Samar on what it means for Masuma to compete in sports at such a high level. Well, I think the Women participation in any social activity or women health in a country or women presence in a country shows the actual situation in a country. It is an indicator for development. It is an indicator for peace. Peace is not the silence of gun. Peace is where women has the freedom. Peace is where Everybody can enjoy their equal rights. And Western, the human rights is not Western value. It's a human value and everybody has the right to do that. So that's why I think Mosuma's story is really important that women in Afghanistan was also capable of being in sports and had the right to be in the sports. Because Masuma is so close with her family, 
I needed to sit down with her sister as well. My name is Zara Alizada. I have been cycling in Afghanistan since 2012. Mosuma is my older sister. Zara, tell us about your sister. What does it mean for her to represent Afghanistan in cycling? When we were in Afghanistan growing up, she dreamed of participating in the Tour de France, but she didn't know that the Tour de France is only for men. All the time she would say, I want to compete in the Tour de France. I would say to her, no, there is no Tour de France for women. So now that she has competed in the Olympics, I am so very proud of her. She succeeded in doing what she wanted. She is a symbol for all female Afghan cyclists, including all the girls who can't ride a bike. Ever since she went to the Olympics, there were many changes in our country. We can see it in cycling and in sports. Girls who practice sports in Afghanistan are now forced to practice at home. People send us messages all the time saying that Masuma is their idol that they see how brave she is and what she has accomplished. To me, she's a symbol of hope because I used to want to give up cycling, but she cheers me on. She says, you've been cycling for a long time. You love it, so do it for yourself. She's been the one inspiring me to keep cycling. So if Masuma fled Afghanistan, how can she represent her country at the Olympics? We live in a world where one person is displaced every two seconds. The reasons why we created the the first ever refugee Olympic team for Rio still persist through sport. We want uh, to make a contribution to keep uh, the world aware of this uh, problem and uh, this uh, challenge uh, so that it does not uh, disappear from the conscience of uh, the world. In October 2018, the IOC session decided to create a refugee Olympic team for Tokyo 2020. A reminder to displaced people everywhere that they are not forgotten. The International Olympic Committee created a refugee Olympic team in 2018. The Tokyo refugee team consisted of 29 athletes from 11 countries competing in 12 sports. Athletes were selected from scholarship holders based on sporting performance and refugee status. Here is Rukshar, one of her early teammates and friends who helped Masuma get to Tokyo despite horrible conditions. I'm so sorry I became so emotional because it's so we're struggling. Like uh, I see a lot of my teammates, they're trying to join the new teams and they're trying to have facilities and these things. And I'm very happy for Masuma. She's very in a good position. She became a member of International Olympic Committee. Like, she inspired me. She's a role model for everyone, for all of women in Afghanistan. Masuma, can you tell us about your time in Tokyo? I had exams, and I couldn't pass. And I was in Swiss, Switzerland to do the training with the coach in the UCI. I obliged to come back in France and to study again 
and concentrated to focus and study it was so difficult and also to organize between studying and uh, training it was so much difficult so my mind uh, it was so tired my physique it was tired and the olympic games it was like i was always tired i couldn't um, really enjoy finally my dream realized just because of uh, a lot of things in my hate because of a study because of training yeah. now i learn how to enjoy how to enjoy my training how to enjoy to uh, to do my study it learned a lot of things especially passion and organization how was it for you after after the games uh, when it was a taliban that came and uh, i had a sister in afghanistan so i was uh, so much nervous for her but fortunately with the help of president of UCI David uh, Lapartian he helped uh, my sister with his fa- her family to come in France so uh, one month after olympic games it was so much nervous a lot of uh, bad news from afghanistan every time our families call us and uh, they talk about the situation of afghanistan so it was not as one month uh, when i returned to olympic games i said now it's uh, the rest month i will enjoy i will rest uh, but it was not like that because my sister was in afghanistan she wanted to come but she had a problem to enter in the air, uh, airport so every time even in the night uh, she called me in the evening uh, in the morning four o'clock in the morning called me and every time uh, we were nervous i couldn't enjoy it really but fortunately now she is in France with her family and security. But now, one year I said, stop cycling. I will focus on my studying. In October 2020, I restart cycling. And now I try to do my training regularly and to prepare for the summer races. What would you like to see for the future of your country? So I wish uh, that one day Afghanistan will be free for the old people, for them, women and men, especially women uh, that they lost their all rights. I wish uh, that one day the women uh, give back all their rights. All girls could go to school. Even we see the little girls when they, the videos I saw, the little girls cry because they can't go to school. They have right to go to school. They have right to do education and women we don't say that the uh, right of women and men is equal. We don't say it. We just say we have a human. We want our basic rights. In every religion, in every country, they allow us. But it's the people that they say that, no, no you don't allow, you no, it's not your right. It's the people that give us some rule that is not exists in, uh, even in the religion or uh, in the right religion or in the right rule. But it's the people that obliged us. And I wish no one will say that it's your limitation. Mm-hmm. I would like that one day it will be no limitation for the human and everyone could arrive to their dreams with hard work. What are you most proud of? When I see the life of some refugees in, uh, in France or other countries, it's so difficult to integrate a new country, especially for the language. And also, uh, for example, uh, to study in a university and to do a sport. 
So for me, I think as even I don't have a lot of friends that help me to speak French fluently, but again, I try to learn the YouTube. So I learned a new language, it's French. I continue my study now. I'm in the master run uh, civil engineering and I could participate in the Olympic games. So my, I think it's uh, like uh, proud for me that I didn't stop. I know it's uh, so much difficult for a refugee to start their life from a zero, but we, I think every refugee have to try. Even it's not a big achievement, we have to slowly continue to do something that we love. And I'm sure in the, at the end, we arrive in a success. We don't stop. We have to slowly move the, in, the, in front. And uh, I know it's so much difficult. Some of, most of the refugees, they leave their families, their countries. So they are now alone in a country. But even with all the problems, we have to continue. We are obliged to continue, to continue and to do positive things in our lives. And we will see that everything will be changed. Zara, you know your sister really well. Why should people hear her story? My sister speaks for women who can't speak for themselves and for women who speak and nobody listens. For example, whenever women are facing problems in my country, they ask my sister to speak on their behalf. In Afghanistan, when women speak, no one listens. I don't think it will lead to change, but this way, women at least have a voice. Rukshar, why is it important to tell Masuma's story? You're a girl from a war-torn country, from Afghanistan, from a country that cycling is a taboo. It's very, for everyone, it's, it's important, like in a country that women are, women, they don't have right to marry by themselves. They're not, they don't have right to do education, to get education, to do work, whatever they want. They're not allowed. But Masuma made it. It is not easy. We break the barriers. So I remember most of people, they thought that we were bad girls, we were doing very bad things. When they saw us, we were riding a bicycle, they throw stone on us, whatever they had on their hands, they throw us. And they said, you're a girl, cycling is not for a girl. I was shocked, like, what's going on? Men and women are equal, so why? So why you guys are not allowing us? That's why it's very important for the people to know about Masuma's story. What is the one action you want our listeners to take after listening to your story? I think, you know, in situation in Iran, Iranian women and the people, especially in USA or in Europe, they share the polls or stories about the women. So in the social media, we see that they encourage the Iranian women, even nothing changed in Iran for the women of uh, Iran, uh, Iran. But when Iranian women see that the people outside the country in Europe and USA, they encourage them, they are behind of them. It's uh, like encouragement, they are happy. So I think uh, I'm sure that uh, women of Afghanistan also, when they see that people in USA and Europe, they don't forget them by sharing them, their stories or uh, everything about the women. They try to do some little things, but it's uh, I think it counts big for them.
for the women. So I uh, hope that events they see a news about the women to share in the social media and i'm sure that uh, social media can change everything and uh, and it will be useful even nothing change in action but when women of afghanistan see that people in europe and usa think about them they are happy for it. it's a small things but they are so much happy and they are like hope that one day they will change something for them before we wrap up Masuma left us with this message of hope for her fellow woman in Afghanistan. I'm sure one day it will change. Now it's like a dark night, but I'm sure that light day will arrive, maybe some years, maybe some months, but it will arrive. Even night is so long, but the day will uh, arrive. So I'm sure that one day uh, the sun will arrive the right of women give back. It just, they have to be hopeful. They don't lose their uh, hope. And uh, for the refugees, we have to work. Now we are in a new country. We have to work, we have to study, and we have to do a sport if we are athletes. So we have to do positive things and we have to be a good example. Now people of a new country accept us. We have to give back the positive things that they will be positive, uh, useful for the other refugees. Even nothing changed. I continue to talk about them. I continue to think about them and to say to them that we don't forget you. And I know that they lost everything. They lost every hope, every right. But again, uh, we still think about them and we wish with our home and the bottom of my heart that one day everything change and they give back their rights and they will uh, arrive uh, to their dreams. We still continue uh, to talk about you, about you women, and we never forget you. Thanks for tuning into Flame Bears, keeping the fire burning. For more behind the scenes coverage, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn by searching for Flame Bears. Massive thank you to Isabel Elliman for her translation help. Thank you to my amazing teammates, Marissa Potter and Lizzie Michael. Last but certainly not least, thank you to Dino Catano and Emma Minto for your ongoing support. We'll catch you on our next episode. <laughs>